Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a series of honest conversations about opportunities, challenges, and joy in ministry today. These episodes are inspired by interactions with ministry leaders from across the country as they explore possibilities, learn from broad perspectives, take risks, and cultivate candid discussions that generate disruptive creativity. Hi, friends. This is Adam with the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, and today I'm pleased to have my friend and colleague, uh, Reverend Carla Jones-Brown, for just a few minutes. Carla, thanks so much for taking a few minutes with us today. Sure. Thank you for having me. Let's give folks just a little snippet of your ministry context and how you got there. Sure. And I'll give you the short version. I have been at Arch Street Presbyterian Church since June of 2015, and it is a wonderful, diverse congregation. We have the best music in all of Philadelphia, hands down. There's no argument. <laughs> and these are folks who do not live within walking distance. So people who come to Art Street really want to be at Art Street. So they fight Philadelphia parking, mm. and they come on Sundays, and they worship with us. One of the areas that folks are most passionate about is social justice. And so... That drives a lot of the sermons, that drives a lot of our small group interactions, and it drives who our ministry partners are. We have a preschool in the building, and so there are young feet in the building Mm. Monday to Friday, and several other partners in the neighborhood. But again, I've been there for seven years. Five of those years was part-time, and I was installed last year, last November. So I've been the senior pastor, although there's no junior pastor. <laughs> I've been the senior pastor since November of 2021. And uh, where were you before that? Before that, I was very happily Baptist. So mm-hmm. part of the story mm-hmm. of my coming to Arch Street Presbyterian Church includes being a lifetime Baptist who went to a Presbyterian seminary. So when I was ordained Baptist, they wanted to make sure the Presbyterians hadn't ruined me. 15 years later, I become Presbyterian and I have some ordination hoops to jump through and they wanted to make sure that I wasn't too Baptist to be Presbyterian. So when I come to Arch Street as the senior pastor, I come like most of the folks come, which is from a non-Presbyterian background. So I would say 10% of our congregation are cradle Presbyterians. Hmm. That's really interesting. I'm struck by the context that you're in and also uh, your very multifaceted path of getting there. How has your sense of call to ministry evolved, particularly in the last few years with the pace of the culture that we're in or things that might be going on in Philadelphia? I I wonder, what is the Spirit doing with you? Um, How are you seeing things anew? (laughs) Well, given the limp in my hip, I'm going to say there's a Bible (laughs) story about a guy who wrestled with an angel. The older I get, the less I actively wrestle with God. And so I just Mm -hmm. say, okay, you win. Let's do this. (laughs) I've been out of seminary for almost 20 years. And the beauty of being in my 50s was when the pandemic hit. I was already old and cranky, but I knew how to be patient. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So a lot of my younger colleagues who took the pandemic as a space to, oh, let me figure out what I want to do and who I want to be. I was old and sitting in my recliner like, listen, this is what it is. Okay, God, bring it. Oh, you want us to go to Zoom? Can do. You want us to come back and wear masks? Can do. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I think part of the blessing of this path is that I've matured to the place where I'm able to be patient and kind of wait out all of the changes. So I wasn't quite exhausted when we came out in the way that other folks were. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting coming out of the pandemic we've been in and 
You know, it's actually not just the pandemic, right? I mean, we, we have this ongoing, slowly but surely growing economic crisis. We have mm-hmm. all sorts of social crises that have piled on top of each other the last few years. And so mm-hmm. given all of that, you hear a lot of people saying this is the time to really, as you said, to really find yourself and improve yourself and get creative and get imaginative. And there's all aspects of that that I agree with. And yet I don't hear as many people saying this is really a time to become more patient Mm -hmm. and a little more mature, but I'm really drawn to that. So what are you seeing among your colleagues that gives you pause and you think, hey guys, what if we did it this way instead? So let me add that before doing the ministry piece, I was in education forever Mm -hmm. and I taught high school English and I taught remedial English. So I guess I've been practicing patience for a long time. When I see my colleagues reacting and responding, because if the congregants make it urgent, then pastors tend to respond as if it's urgent. Mm. And I had the reverse kind of mentality. And also from being a mother of a girl child, Mm -hmm. some of that also helped me to say, okay, so for me to be the leader, this is not going to be peer driven in this moment. Let me help us get to this next place. Yes. Let me bring this anxiety down and bring us to a place where we're not reacting out of stress and urgency and drama and all the things, Mm. who do we want to be in this moment? And I don't want to be frazzled. So how can I help you to not take me to that place of being frazzled? Because I did that in my 20s and 30s. Yeah, that's so good. And I think about the context you're in at Arch Street and the many needs around the church. You Mm -hmm. talked about the church's energy for social justice and Mm -hmm. activism. What you're describing is almost like a contemplative activism, right? It's this place where you want to have a deep formation to answer the question, who do we want to be so that we can engage out of that place? Right. And I would love to know more about what does that spiritual formation look like at Arch Street and how are you able to take your model of patience and long suffering and maturity <laughs> and hopefully pass that along in ways that are meaningful? I'm glad that you asked that question because I hadn't really thought about it until just this moment. Our church is also downtown. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're surrounded by now emptied out office buildings. And so the space in the city that we occupy has also slowed down. So we also had, in my opinion, the benefit of a lot of that hustle and bustle of downtown had gone away. Mm -hmm. So if our physical surroundings have quieted, that was just an unexpected blessing. I couldn't have orchestrated that myself. That also helped us usher in the well, nothing around us is hustling and bustling. So. Let's take a deep breath and settle into this space because the hustle and bustle will come back shortly. Mm. But part of the spiritual formation, Zoom was great for our folks, many of whom had a huge commute. And so our attendance went up because people could attend worship on Zoom in their pajamas. And we were able to do small groups and people were more inclined, like they love the breakout rooms. So, oh, you don't want a 17 minute sermon? You want five minutes from me and 10 minutes in breakout rooms? Got it. Mm. And we found ways to maintain community and to welcome new folks in and to hear new energy. So my folks are very good about sharing what they're reading or engaging in these conversations or talking to one another in the Zoom coffee hour which then spilled over into our coffee hour in the social hall when we came back into the space, right? They continued the conversations they had started on small screens. You've been working with one of our ministry collaborative cohorts in Philadelphia, and I'd love to know, uh, how are you seeing that dynamic play out with them? Uh, Is it similar struggles in terms of the 
sense of urgency or reactionism versus more of a a longer arc view. What are you seeing with the pastors you work with around you? Our pastors, our cohort, shout out to the Philly cohort. We have been more of a support to one another. There have been some personal things that have happened among the members of the cohort. And so our ability to kind of rally around and say, Mm -hmm. I know that you have to do ABC for your congregation, but how can we be supportive of one another? And having the space to just come in and know that you could scream about all the things and know that it was a safe space and then bring yourself back to, okay, I have what I need to talk to my people. I didn't need advice. I just needed a place to say some things. And we were able to kind of exchange some practical resources Mm -hmm. for one another. But each of us had a slightly different context, different experience, different length of time. So all of those things were unique. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm I'm finding that more and more throughout our cohort programs um, that, you know, it's almost like the, as you say, the, the resources and the practical advice and ideas, they're nice, but the only reason they take any route is because what's more at stake is a, a deeper way of doing life together that you hope could be modeled more broadly. You know, one of the things that came to mind as you were talking is we have a lot of conversations our team does with clergy and simply ask, in this moment, what do you think should go fast and what do you think should go slow? And it sounds like your cohort is a good place for people to wrestle with, oh, this thing that's up in my face in my congregation, I can actually slow that down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And this other thing that I've been waiting on, now is the time. You know, it's like we need those communal spaces to discern when are we in this? And I I really appreciate the way you describe your cohort in that way. Yeah. Carla, one of the things that strikes me about your cohort as well as your congregation is that there is a deep sense of, I was going to say obligation, but I think a Mm -hmm. deep sense of obedience to the spirit to be engaged in the community. That This is just basic to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I also hear your insistence on that proceeding from a deeper place. Mm -hmm. So even more, when you look at nationwide at your colleagues, pastors and churches, what do you think about what's going to be needed for the world that we're Mm -hmm. inheriting? What type of faith, what type of community engagement? And I I recognize that that's a huge question, but I, I wonder what comes to mind when I say that about the type of ministries you would hope to see emerge and be sustained? Wow. Thank you for asking. And know that I will continue to email you for the rest of the month with additional things to answer that question. (laughs) So the two things that come to mind immediately now, let me also say, probably because I'm a church baby, Mm -hmm. one is this sense of owning our stuff wherever we are. So a lot of times we like to own other people's issues across the nation or let me rally for something that's in Seattle. No, how about you rally for what's in your backyard? Mm. How about Tend your own garden, right? So owning our stuff, but then also in the same way when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, they had enough for the day. Hmm. Have you done all you can do for today? Because tomorrow's going to bring a whole boatload of additional issues. When you lay your head on the pillow tonight, have we done everything we can do for today? If so, rest well. Because tomorrow is coming. I, you know, I'm watching Game of Thrones now. Tomorrow <laughs> is coming. Tomorrow is winter. Winter is coming. Winter tomorrow is coming. is coming. But just those two things, own your stuff and do what you can for the day. That takes me to the be anxious for nothing. If you've mm-hmm. done all you can do in the day, then you don't have to be anxious about what's coming for tomorrow. 
Yeah, I, I'm so hesitant to take license with Howard Thurman, but it's almost like if I could tack on to, you know, what is mine to do, mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you say and what I want to take from this is what is mine to do here today? Right. It also gets into just those notions of control, influence and concern mm-hmm. and how we often get consumed with stuff that's just far away from us that we don't have much impact on when there's something right there in our backyard. I think you're really wise to put it that way. Another sort of big question. What are you hopeful about when you look at the church of the 21st century and with all the unknowns and uncertainty? What are you hopeful about? So this might sound incredibly selfish, and that's fine. When I look at my congregation, there's a children's church emerging Mm -hmm. that has not existed in the seven years that I've been there. So we came out of pandemic with children in two. So all of the young people who are having babies have a a carry baby and a toddler. That visual, when I see them coming into church, I'm thinking, I know what the reports say. I know what the statistics Mm -hmm. say about young people in church. I am seeing them and I'm excited about what we can build for them to live into and to claim and to own. And if that can happen in Philadelphia at a commuter church that's not a neighborhood church, I have to hope that that could be a wider phenomenon. That would be just amazing. Yeah, that's so interesting you say that. I mean, for one, I see that with my own young children. But I was just recently in the Pacific Northwest having some conversations with clergy, including some youth ministers. And a really interesting point was made by our uh, colleague, Chris De La Cruz. Shout out to Chris. The young people he's working with are almost getting to discover the strangeness of Christian faith for the first time mm-hmm. without some of the baggage that previous generations might have been wrestling with. Mm-hmm. And I found that, similar to what you say, is such a hopeful word that maybe there is this really beautiful thing that we can hold up before people and they're not having to wrestle with all whatever the other issues might say that lead to those really challenging statistics. Yeah. So I think that is a good word of hope. Yeah. Carl, I wanted to close and chat with you for a moment about the role of scripture in your own life, one of the recurring questions I like to ask guests is, is there a passage, a theme, a text that is just keeping you going right now or that you're seeing play out in your life and ministry? Despite my many jokes about the additional plagues that have come our way, (laughs) once we get out of Exodus, so there are two. One is be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. That's just for Carla because Carla will get wound up and do all sorts of things. The other is know that it is God who has made us and not we ourselves. Hmm. To be reminded that I am not the originator of every thing and that I am creation and not creator in that way is good for me to remind me to go back. There is a source. You can go back to the source. Keep going back to the source. That's such a good word. Carla, thanks so much for the conversation today. It's given me a lot to think about. This has been great. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.